The way the auto industry designs, engineers, develops, and manufactures cars has undergone a revolution in the last decade. Today, every aspect of an automobile can be simulated in virtual reality. Automakers can even build factories in virtual reality and simulate how to manufacture cars. It's all part of what is collectively known as Product Lifecycle Management, or PLM. Now the next step is simulating everything from the consumer standpoint. Some non-automotive companies are even simulating the shopping experience, all in virtual reality. And to bring us up to speed on this technological revolution, my guest today is Bernard Charlet, the CEO of Dassault Systems, one of the leaders in this field. Joining me on my journalist panel are Drew Winter, the editor-in-chief of wardsauto.com, and Chris Sawyer with the website carsincontext.us. Stay right where you are because you are going to be amazed by the revolution that is about to take place in product development. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to AutoLine Detroit here in the studio. And joining us today is Bernard Charlet, the CEO of Dassault Systems. Great to have you back on the set of AutoLine. Also joining us today is Drew Winter with WardsAuto.com and Chris Sawyer with Cars in Context. Great having both of you here today. Bernard, usually I start off asking the first question, but I'm actually going to ask a question from a viewer of ours who knew you were coming on the show and sent this from Twitter. He identifies or she identifies uh, herself or himself as GM employee and said, could you please ask Bernard Charlet, is there a standard PLM definition for the auto industry that Dassault Systems uses? Because people... A lot of people viewing don't know what PLM, product lifecycle management, is all about. Is there a standard definition that you use? Well, the definition has been evolving over the years. Uh, uh, I, I don't think there is really, especially now, on, I'm sure we are going to speak about it, uh, it's an ongoing evolution of it. Uh, initially, it was about, you know, let's make sure I can see the car digitally before I actually do the job. Then it became, you know, can I move the car? Can I understand how it's going to be simulated, produced? Overall, it's about product lifecycle management. So ultimately, you want to know everything about that future product before you actually do it. Um, So the scope is very broad. Uh, There is a certain type of usage today but it's expanding quickly, and I know we are going to talk about that. Now, when you were first here, which goes back six, seven, eight years ago or something, you explained to me that PLM is like making a movie of your product before you ever make the product, that you can all do all of this in virtual reality, design it, engineer it. You can even build the factory in the virtual world and have the factory manufacture cars. So. It's still about making a movie, but what I think I am hearing you saying is that movie just keeps getting better and better all the time. Getting better and better, becoming also uh, more flexible and easier to use, because one of the challenges with those sophisticated tools is to make sure that people know how to use them, take advantage of them in, a, in the best possible way. Uh, one, this is one challenge, and it's uh, in any software product, this is an ongoing challenge, but I think when you look at the new devices, uh, the quality of the graphic, the quality of the speed at which we can communicate, 3D virtual universe, what I call 3D virtual universe, what you find in games, can become a reality for all product development. Because the value of it is it removes ambiguity. 
when it comes to the communication and understanding. Think about our children back years ago, us back years ago, learning flat drawings to represent real life in 3D. Now people are modeling in 3D, it's become easier and easier, they are playing in 3D, TV are becoming 3D. Mm -hmm. So 3D is becoming a medium by itself, like uh, MP3 for the music. Um, as it is becoming a medium, not only a way to draw something, it's becoming a communication vehicle. And from that standpoint, there are new ways to connect people involved in the, in the entire development for cars, starting with the consumer. And going back to the consumer and having everyone having a voice through this process. So that's, I think, the next 10 years are going to be marked with something special, which is how can I see tomorrow today? And that's the future definition of PLM in my mind. How far can you migrate this technology down the supply chain? Uh, you know, it's, it's a very sophisticated technology. Um, is there a point where suddenly the small suppliers then can't participate? If they can't, how do they become part of this whole visualization process? I think that uh, today uh, we are on purpose uh, preparing products that will be available for consumers, not for companies, for consumers. We are preparing product that works on, uh, on iPhone, 3D. If you go uh, with 3D, mo 3D via mobile, you can display airplanes, cars, furniture, real time on your iPhone, and it's very cool. So a data point is when the society start to use your product, it's the signal that any company can use it too. So instead of looking at the B2B, we are looking at the business to business. We are looking at how consumers can leverage 3D as a medium for your own decoration, for anything of that nature, including marketing, selecting product. And, and we are about to reach a level of usability and ease of use that will create a new momentum for those small companies. Because if you can use it at home, there is no reason why you would not use it at, in, in the business. Um, and that's, I think, happening now. So in other words, the technology is going to come into point where you're going to be able to make that affordable for people to, to take this on and use it. But the problem then becomes, especially in this industry, in that you have so much sunk cost in manufacturing and in, in every, how you do things that you can't just do your movie and say, in a perfect world, this is how I'd like to build this car. You have set constraints to work in. So how do you work that into the whole process? Yes, that, uh, that of always of a challenge is to transform uh, the virtual world to a real one that works, of course. And uh, that's the value, basically, of any companies being able to do that right on an efficient way. But when you look at uh, the efficiency of our economy and our, of our industries at large, not only auto, but every industries. There are so many mistakes coming from miscommunication, misunderstanding. So many mistakes coming from there that if we were just about to remove the mistakes, we would do a lot of savings. So that's one area. The second area, I, I believe, is uh, when you actually do manufacturing process and so on, there is a real challenge to remember what was done last time. So this notion of memory in the company, memory of how we, you did, why you did it, 
What kind of process have, been, have you been using to make this work well? Needs to be communicated to other people. Otherwise, you have a few specialists, but the other people cannot act in, a, in, a, in, a, in an efficient way. So removing waste, increasing the memory, and being able to share, create a new world of efficiency that by itself uh, creates such kind of potential for improvement that if we do that well in the next years, I think we'll, we'll go a long way. Bernard, I'm intrigued by what you're saying of using this whole process that we've been talking about of going right to the consumer and learning what the consumer wants and then driving design, engineering, everything from that. Talk a little bit about this. And I'm intrigued by what you called lifelike experience. How do you, how do you or how will the auto industry take this lifelike experience from the consumer's point of view and use that to drive the way that they design and develop new products? If you observe the society today on how the society at large create, create products, uh, because the challenge on engineering, materials, manufacturing, you know, the, the capital investment is such, there is such kind of concentration to deliver this new thing you want to deliver, that it's very easy along the process to forget what you want to deliver. It's easy to forget, it's easy to forget the goal. But what is the goal at the end? Any producer doing to sell what he's producing to a consumer. The consumer or customer will be using it in real life. So let's assume we can find a way using 3D as a medium to represent the way this product is going to be used in real life and make this visible to everyone all along the product development. Then people will remember every day, every, every hour of the day, what is their goal. So this user experience that uh, really, I, I think Apple has been doing extremely well for their equipment, it's really about user experience. Sometimes we liked our iPhone because it's a great user experience. We can create this user experience virtually and make it so visible to people in purchasing, engineering, simulation, production, that it will help them to communicate. That's what we want to do. So the next evolution of PLM in my mind is to make this so pervasive, easy to use for people, not companies, people, that everyone will use it as the next way, the next tool for communication and understanding. And it's going on extremely well in the consumer packaged goods. I, I guess I, I get a little concerned though when I, when I hear uh, vehicles being talked about as uh, like consumer products. Because it seems like, uh, to me, Hummer is a classic example of a, of a brand that was a fashion trend. And the auto industry looked at it and said, wow, this, you know, this is really a hot product. We're going to move ahead and, and build all these dealerships and everything else. And it was a very hot brand. But because of the long cycle times involved with automotive, it also went out of style very quickly, I mean, before the second product cycle. So, I mean, how you can do all these things so fast, but when the overall making the product is so slow as it is in the auto industry, how do you reconcile, I guess, your, this fast process with this very slow product generation process the auto industry has? Yes. Well, 
it's it's always you know any kind of great system you can use you can always make mistakes on the uh, on the portfolio you want to deliver <laughs> i think that's a good example okay. of portfolio mistake okay uh the values but at the end of the day uh no no one would 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 dispute the fact that consumers will select a highly sophisticated object like a car when you see the massive investment to get this car available to someone on parameters which are really far away from the complexity of engineering and manufacturing. It can be emotion, shape, sometimes color. Sometimes it can be my wife just picked a new car. On the first question was, how my iPhone is going to work in the, in the car? That was her. And then the second question was, how much CO2 emission? Because she feels that uh, she has a respons social responsibility. And I was dreaming to have her having a great you know, engine. And I had to play by the game and show the numbers. Does she understand CO2 really? No, but she, she knew uh, it was a good parameter. So when there is a disconnect between the parameters that consumers are selecting to buy your product on all the great things companies are doing to try to make this product great. How do we connect that? How do we reconnect consumers or customers with producers? I think there is a break here that needs to be reconnected. And I believe lifelike experience is a way to help reconnect that. Voice of customer is becoming a critical central part of PLM. Without voice of customers, we are going to do great products for engineers, but they will not serve the society. And that's what yeah. we want to do with yeah. uh, V6. But it also sounds like what you're doing here is you're saying, we know what the parameters that we have to do for regulatory, for name it, all the things that you have to do for all the auto industry. Those are given, but now we can, to use a, a term that is rapidly going out of fashion, data mine what's really important to the customer and say, this is what this vehicle has to have if we're going to be successful. And then tie that into what your brand message is and everything else and get everybody involved in actually making a product that you don't hope somebody buys, but that you know somebody buy, yeah. will want to buy. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I think the good example about what you had you said about this this balance between the, the brand promise, the theme, on what you actually deliver. I mean, mm -hmm. does it fit? Uh, on how is the emotion from the consumer or customer when they select that, prod that, that product to use it? I think an extreme uh, area is, is the consumer packaged goods, where basically this famous you know, first moment of truth, you know, you take this shampoo bottle, you look at it, on, 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 do you put it back or do you let it drop in your caught. It's one moment of truth. When you look at the process that great companies like P&G are using today just for the signage, the identity, the packaging, the shape, it's highly sophisticated. It's highly sophisticated not only for the marketing and consumer feedback, but also for the production system. Mm. Palletization, optimization of production, material uh, optimization, minimizing the use of, of, of the materials. So even for something that seems to be an extremely simple product, there is a highly sophisticated new set of processes. I don't believe that the auto sector has really yet taken full advantage 
of this. On, 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 I think there is a real avenue of opportunity here to really reconnect with consumers to really just achieve the goal you just described, which is the balance between the promise and finally what you deliver to the consumer. Mm -hmm. Explain that a little bit more thoroughly, and here's what I mean. Last year, you showed me an amazing application, what you're talking about here with P&G, Procter & Gamble, where virtually I could go into a store, walk up and down aisles, pull products off the shelf like you were talking about. I could read the label, put them back. It's an amazing way of simulating not just the products, but the buying experience. Now talk about that from the auto industry standpoint. How would you, what would be your vision of applying that to automakers? Well, there are uh, uh, global parameters like getting an impression about the identity of vehicle as quickly as possible so you get consumer feedback. And I think those processes are already in place some way. Mm -hmm. Not really systematic. Uh, maybe more can be done there. But there are a lot of other details like the interior design, like the feedback on uh, the fabrics. You know, look at what they do in apparel. In apparel, when you prepare a collection, the fabric selection is going to be very critical. It, there is a refinement. It's not by accident. It, the, the prestigious luxury brands are not built by accident. There is an extreme refinement in those, those kind of things. And I think that uh, in the auto sector, we can probably by domains, you know, my, my interior experience, get new type of uh, ways to look at these products, having more involvement from the consumer. And that uh, experience you are referring to, what we call the shopper experience, or consumer experience, can be applied to the auto sector. And you know what? The key point is not only to connect, but also people inside those companies who are making those great products in the auto sector, they are also consumers. And sometimes they do not have a voice inside the company. So if everyone inside the company, like in social networking, was having a voice, maybe there would be a new discovery process about what makes sense. What makes sense? Um, so there is no one answer. There are multiple possible answers. But at the end of the day, the power to listen, observe, and get new understanding about the trends will be a competitive advantage. And I believe that 3D virtual universe can make this happen. <laughs> and that's the next step for us. Well, let me ask you a Detroit question. Uh, it, is, it used to be, anyway, introducing a new PLM system to an automaker it used to cause a huge cultural shift and, and, and uh, oh, we get all kinds of letters and, and oh my God, this system, I can't figure it out and whatever. You had thousands of really engineers involved with a whole new product development process. It was, it was um, if you were to do that at an automaker today, your system comes in, replaces the competitors. Is it still, is, is so much angst involved or is it easier? Uh, how do you manage the training and the change? Well, uh, look, you have a very great story close to you here. It's with my friend Alan Mulay at Ford on, on Derek Kozak and all the team. What they are doing, I think, is just amazing. You know, a few years ago, we were invited. I mean, they were using a competitor's product, and we were invited. And at that time, it was Chris Theodore for a new car program. And Chris came and said, Bernard, we need to change the way we develop cars at Ford Motor Company. For the first car program, 
we train the people, transform the processes, use this PLM environment with really digital mockup being the way to federate everyone real time, real time. And the first car program was done faster, including trading, training on deployment of the tools. So even with data transfer, training, deployment, the car program went faster. So we can get return on investment on one single car program. And when Derek was at the time running Ford Europe, came back and said, the thing he told me was, I wish I would have done that change earlier. And if you ask him, he would confirm that. So that's a visible showcase. It is happening. Last year, we started a new engine program at Ford. We said the future of engine program is about energy management. It's not about shape of the engine. It's not about stress of the, you know, the piston or whatever. It's about power management and energy management. We have now with, with our, what we call our V6, the sixth generation of system, the capability to merge software, electronics, and mechanical parts together to understand the behavior of an engine. We did that program, and of course, everyone said it's going to be difficult, completely new methods, it's going to take time. We did the pilot in less than three months. We removed 300 legacy applications in the company and massively simplified the process. We're not delivering industrial secret here, of course, but it's a showcase that uh, we have been authorized to speak about inside Ford that shows that change is good. <laughs> you need to have the courage to do it, but it's good. Uh, and that's the new dynamic I hope Detroit we, will get. And at least there is a signal now uh, <laughs> with someone who is great, building a great story. But it, it sounds as though part of the worry is, certainly from the, the, the user, is that this is going to be difficult to use. And it's your job to make the difficult easy. And part of that is pulling in technology that's coming in from consumer markets, et cetera. But it also seems as though what you're, what you're doing is you're marrying the Ferrari way of doing things with the Ford way of doing that. That you can now offer the consumer the chance to say, what color leather do you really want instead of we're just going to offer you black or gray or, or tan? What kind of, of material do you want? Do you want this here? Do you want that there? And pull that all into the system. And so the, the major volume manufacturer will still be having uh, very small choices for the final consumer, but it sounds like they'll be the right choices for the trend and what the, what the consumer sees. Mm. One of the challenges that uh, many players have got in the, in the PLM is uh, the fact that the information is stored. People think that they have, they have won the case. It's there. But as you know, in our office environment, there are so many things there that we never looked at. So the question is not do you store. The question is is it available? So making it available, it's like in book of knowledge, you know, people are saying companies, we will do book of knowledge. Yes, they have done it. It's great. Nobody reads them. <laughs> so it's, it's useless. Mm -hmm. So the question is not, many people from IT are very proud when they have stored the, the information. They never looked at who is looking at them. The bottom line of all this is not the information being stored digitally, it's about, is it used? Mm -hmm. So as you said, ease of use, ease of search, ease of, I wanted to get it at the right time at my fingertip when I'm thinking about something else. This is so critical. And you know what? 
If I tell you today, look at my car, I have a virtual car, no product does not exist, go in the back seat, open the door, and look at this pocket there, you understand what to do. The old PLM system, you have to enter a 20-digit part number. You have to make sure that you have the car model. So, and you have to do so many transactions to go there. But what I described to do in lifelike experience was a very simple scenario. Click the car, open the door, go inside. Lifelike is about doing that. And we are doing it now. And on that, we're going to have to wrap that up. But thanks so much for coming in and talking about this revolution going on in the product design process. Bernard Charlet, it's a pleasure, as always, having you here. Drew Winter from WardsAuto.com. Chris Sawyer from Cars and Context. Great having you here on board. And I'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. I love what Bernard Charlet is talking about because the auto industry is truly struggling with making sure it preserves the voice of the customer in every aspect of developing new cars and trucks. And it's not just the virtual reality and simulation aspects of this technology that makes it so transformational. No, it's the social media and networking aspects that are dramatically improving communications in this process. I think the results will be revolutionary. You know, if you'd like to get more information about the changes and developments in this industry, check out AutoLine Daily, a seven-minute daily newscast of the latest news in the global automotive industry. But that brings us to the end of this show. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.